Hi, thank you for spending time with us today discussing animal behavior, training, and healthcare. Dogs, cats, horses, we love them all, as do you. My name is Meg Harrison, owner of blackwingfarms.com. I want to welcome you here with three promises. You will, number one, learn something new in every episode. Two, smile at least once. Three, be amazed by the people you will hear sharing on this podcast. Now, get ready to engage speaking with uh so yeah we have one minute so let's well we're live now we're live now (laughs) you're sneaky that way (laughs) i am i am so yeah and it's all good so um wow tess you and i we've done it we you know we we've held this together for three months we've made our mistakes Mm -hmm. we've learned etc and so now we get to have two guests our first i am so happy our first two dinner guests Right. I know. And, and um, we, I mean, they're going to be a hard act to follow because we've got the best of the best. So, yeah. 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 Okay. Let's tell everybody who's online with us today. Okay. So, Dr. Carly Fawn on uh, our, there she goes waving. Melissa Pizzuto, both from Best Friends, sitting there in Kanab, Utah, uh, in Dogtown, right? Are you in Dogtown in mm-hmm. your office, Carly? Okay. Carly, I, you know, from the time we first met, I have been fascinated with your PhD and what, what, how did you earn that degree and what the title alone is fascinating. Tell us. Thank you. So my PhD is in cognitive science, which is actually about understanding the human mind. But my PhD focused on evolutionary perspectives of cognition. So focusing on animal behavior and cognition. And it brings together several different fields, um, six different fields of discipline, including psychology, anthropology, computer science, neuroscience, linguistics, and a few other things. And so it's a really comprehensive program. And for my dissertation, I actually worked with and studied um, individual differences in chimpanzee behavior and cognition. But all the while for the past 13, 14 years, I've been working with companion animals in shelter and sanctuary environments as well. Wow. wow. You, feel, you feel the impact that you're making? Do you feel it? Because I know you, yeah. yeah. That was my whole goal. You know, in undergrad, I always knew I was going to be a psychology um, student and focus on that. And originally I thought I wanted to help people. Uh, but in my first semester, I learned so much about how um, we can really understand the animal mind and I was introduced to animal welfare from both the companion animal perspective as well as from the non-human primate perspective because there was a primate sanctuary 20 minutes down the road from my university in Kentucky and so with that I learned that I could really embrace the my love and passion for science and research and understanding what's going on in individual minds but apply that in a way that can really help them regardless of what situation they're in, whether they're in a shelter, a sanctuary, having challenges in their home for companion animals, whatever it might be. So I just really love that that connection of science and animal welfare. I focus a lot on, you know, animals feeling safe in their immediate environment. And is that kind of what you're saying too, no matter what the environment is? Yeah, exactly. Because I worked with um, chimpanzees and sanctuaries and in zoo environments. And it's really important for us to give them that opportunity of choice throughout their life and for for them to have that safety and comfort that you're talking about. And in order for us to do that, 
we need to understand them not just at the species level, but at that individual level. And that's what we're all about here at Best Friends is looking at every animal as an individual. Okay, so I'm gonna jump over to Melissa right now because Melissa, how long have you been at Best Friends? Um, I've been here almost three years. Mm -hmm. And before that? Before I, I came from Wisconsin and I um, had a training business um, that I, I loved, but I, once I started doing shelter work and working with those dogs that weren't in homes yet, um, I really found my passion and, and decided that I wanted to go more of the sheltering route, um, than the, the private training route. And why was that more of a challenge? <laughs> um, it was a, a little, I mean, there's challenges in, in every aspect of it, but, um, I just felt, I just saw the need. There's a lot of, um, animals and shelters and rescues that, aren't getting some of the enrichment and training that they really need to be successful in homes. And also um, transitioning from a shelter or rescue into a home can be difficult as well. And so um, I liked the opportunity of uh, helping that animal, finding the right home and then helping them transition and supporting um, their new home too as well to set them up for success. So that um, that that just made me more, a little bit more fulfilled than um, dogs are already in homes and, and most of the time doing well and just teaching um, some of the basic behaviors and things. So, um, yeah, I really love the shelter. And, and I've learned so much here in the last three years, like more than, than um, anywhere else I, I could think of. So it's been a, a really great experience and a great learning opportunity here. But you guys are in it 24-7. You're in it and then you're, what, deployed to Texas? Hello, Carly. Mm -hmm. I mean, Deployed. Were you together or did you tag team? Were you together? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were down there for months, literally. Yeah. 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 And which hurricane was that? That was Hurricane Harvey. Harvey. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 And we've all been there. I mean, we've all been, you know, in some horrendous form of rescue. And I think that's what, you know, and that was a great, you know, segue, Melissa, you know, into setting up for success. And a lot of times we can't change the environment like in a storm or in a shelter. We can't change the environment, but we can change the way they feel about that environment. Mm -hmm. And there's the flower essences, right? Absolutely. Yeah. There's the flower essences, the new beginnings. So I told, I told one of you that uh, I used to new beginnings in one of our flower essence blends was called the first five right. and first five, first five minutes, first five days or the first five sessions that they were in a shelter or a new home. Nobody believed me. Nobody believed that they could um, improve or have success in only five minutes or five days. So you two, you three, because Tess is not, mm -hmm. you three that are in the trenches, you've proven it, you know it. Now, mm -hmm. let me quickly go to, I, I've got two more questions for Melissa right now is first to define uh, CPDTKA, and then secondly, go back to the conference and the, and the uh, topic that we had at the conference. So um, CPDTKA, what, what, what's that, Melissa? Sure, so that stands for Certified Professional Dog Trainer Knowledge Assessed. There's two pieces. There's a knowledge assessed and a knowledge and skills assessed, mm -hmm. which will be mm -hmm. something that I'm working towards. Um, it's a little bit more involved as far as doing videos and things like that. But the knowledge assessed requires 300 hours of experience. Hang on, um, hang on. 300 hours? 300 hours. Documented. Documented training experience. Some of it can be consulting um, with other trainers and, and things, but most of it is um, teaching classes, um, consulting with... Um, at that time, it was like my um, 
my private clients or, or shelter clients or whatever. Um, the 300 hours and then a uh, letter of recommendation from an, either another CPDT or a, a veterinarian. Um, and then a, a written test, I believe it was 100 questions. Um, and so getting through all of that, then you get that designation, which you also have to um, continue, have continuing education that you keep up um, throughout the time. And so um, it's, it's through the Certification Council for Professional Dog Trainers, which is an independent organization. So it's not through any particular um, uh, class or school or anything like that. So it's a neat program and it definitely helps um, if somebody has a designation to, to understand that they, they just have some of that basic knowledge and that they've spent the time, it certainly doesn't mean, um, you know, that you know everything <laughs> or that you're always doing doing the right things, but it definitely means that you have that, that basic understanding. And for me, I came from a, a business background. I actually um, went to college for finance and economics. So this is a second career for me. And so I, I felt it was especially important for me to um, get that education, get that time under my belt, and get that certification so I could um, continue to um, uh, to be successful in this in this particular um, career. Because it has changed, mm -hmm. hasn't it? The whole industry, the whole the whole because it is an industry of dog training, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's changed. And it's, it's always changing constantly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tell me, tell me just a, um, and then the second thing. Okay, so going back to you know, the impact and this is okay. So let me, let me, of course, you guys have met Tess, but don't know her well. Um, <laughs> Tess has the most amazing handling techniques mm -hmm. and she does her own uh, fear free and safe handling. And so mm -hmm. she's a groomer, uh, master pedicurist mm -hmm. uh, and a rescuer <laughs> and she rescues geriatrics and special needs. Mm -hmm. And she's got a couple of very special needs in her own right now. <laughs> yes, I sure <laughs> do. Perry, Perry, I, I started calling him Admiral Perry. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're all laughing because I think that's what got us into the game and kept us in the game. We're those yep. special, special, yeah, yeah. special dogs. So well, when we talk about this and we talk about, you know, the, the education, Tess, uh, yours is very hands-on, huh? Very hands-on. And I, um, you know, it really started with, like I, you, the girls had mentioned, when you, you start doing something and then you your heart just pulls you in to do something else or brings you even further or deeper into whatever career we're, we're going with when it's working with animals. And um, being hands-on and being in tune, being intuitive and having flower essences available to help create a special moment at that moment, um, it's just been a godsend really. So I'm using flower essences every day and I'm using different essences with every dog, and I'm always analyzing each dog independently, like the girls were saying. Each one is separate, and every moment is separate. So it could be new beginnings, it could be courage and trust. So, mm -hmm. um, but that first 24 that they were, you know, they had mentioned, and I hope that they'll talk about again, mm -hmm. is um, so crucial. And I feel that's super important too when animals are coming to see me, that that first moment i'm gonna right then create a new moment a new beginning maybe they've had a bad experience or it's their first experience coming into an environment like mine uh, for grooming or for nails you know whatever we're going to be working on mm -hmm. but that is just as important as i feel um that moment they're getting together with their training and and coming into the sanctuary 
So I love for everyone to speak about that, like that first 24, what is happening and how are they handling it to create this um, lovely environment for the dogs coming in to best friends? Yeah. Yeah. So what Melissa and I have um, presented on before and love to talk about are the, what what we call the first 24 hours and beyond. And it's so critical. And I'm going to talk about it from the shelter perspective. So for, you know, when animals come into a shelter, that first 24 hours for most animals can be extremely stressful. It, It can be very scary for them. And they're not always showing their true behaviors or their true personalities. So we want to keep that in mind um, to not make assumptions about who they are in that first 24, 48 hour time frame and beyond. We want to continue learning who they are. But mm-hmm. why the first 24 hours is so important and what we like to do to set them up for success is establish that level of comfort and that level of trust. Even here at the sanctuary, where it's a completely different setup than a typical shelter environment, it's still very stressful. And it's a very unknown experience when animals first come to us. And so we use the flower essences regularly in our admissions building. We're spraying them on their blankets, on their bedding, on ourselves when we're going in. You know, we we have, sometimes we have some historical information about um, dogs specifically, um, but we don't always, you know, we're, we do function in that way as a, as a typical shelter and that we rescue from our local pounds and, and all these other situations where we know nothing about the animals and we're purely reading their body language on day one. And we are making decisions and deciding, okay, this dog might be shy. So let's do some brave bomb or some uh, calm spray with them and see if they like it first and how they respond to it. So it's something that we definitely regularly implement, not only in our admissions building, but also in all of our areas. Because what happens after dogs, for example, enter our care, is they typically go to our admissions building. We get to know them. We determine, we do some play dates with other dogs and determine what areas they're going to live in in Dogtown. So that's another transition they're going to experience. So that first 24 hours and that second transition within our own care is something we have to pay special attention to as well. And even prior to that, a lot of times we're going to get dogs. Um, oh, maybe, yeah. You know, tomorrow I'm going to Las Vegas to, to get a couple dogs mm-hmm. that are going to be here. And so even there, like trying to make that ride as, um, you know, as comfortable as possible. I usually mm-hmm. put a on myself um, and, you know, spray spraying the, the van, all that kind of stuff, just to kind of help them. Um, a lot of times they'll come in and, and, and you know, at least... Um, kind of smell around and be a little bit interested in it and, and hopefully reduce the stress just a bit. But even that, a lot of these dogs, especially if they're shy or fearful, they might not go in a crate or ride in a car well. Mm-hmm. Um, even just making that as comfortable as possible, um, using the flower essences, the bombs, um, some nice music, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. Really help that transition of getting them here and getting them settled. And I like that you said transition because mm. that's it, you know, is being adaptable, right? Being adaptable, speaking of Darwin, yeah. <laughs> being adaptable. And, you know, if what I found too, several things, um, I used to deal with racehorses and I found that if they could adapt and get into a trailer and behave and stand still or not bite the groom, groomer or whatever, um, that they were going to be treated better. 
100% better on down the line. They were going to perform better. They were going to assimilate their food better. They were going to drink more water, et cetera. And the second thing about that, and I've kind of never told you guys this, I don't think. Um, I freeze drama trauma in ice cubes. Oh, I didn't know that. I know, right? And you guys <laughs> in Utah and San Diego, too. I understand you've gone through another heat wave. Oh, but yeah. yeah, so we can, um, and I learned that from some international people that were transporting horses uh, uh, to Europe for competition. And they would freeze the water in these huge, you know, the garbage pails kind of mm -hmm. stuff. And they would freeze the water so that, you know, as it became sloshable, you know, an hour or two into the flight, but they froze the drama trauma right in there. Love that. I okay, know. see, I didn't even think to tell you guys that. I see ice cubes and best friends future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, fun. Meg, um, one of the things that you said just made me think about a point with the first 24 too is that you're you're mentioning like if the animal's behaving, they're treated better. Yes. Um, and one of the things that happens sometimes in those first 24 mm -hmm. hours when an animal gets here is they get late or not here, but in some places, yeah, they get labeled as maybe being difficult. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. You know, mix with them, even though that's not the case. And so that's the other thing about the first 24 is, is trying to avoid putting on any labels and really trying to determine who they are without really giving them that chance to settle in and, and show us their true colors. Perfect. Absolutely. Perfect. And I that's exactly it. what happens to Tess because she's yeah. no offense. You're usually not the first groomer, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> you're not right. the first person to try to clip their nails. Yeah. I'm like so, the, the last resort. Before exactly. Being, aren't we all being sedated? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. really. If you've never been the fourth trainer, you don't know life. <laughs> exactly right, but, right. But, but again so I need to brag on Tess a little bit so each one of her appointments even if she's only actually physically working on the dog for maybe 10-15 minutes tops is that her appointments are all a half hour and she has an over a year's waiting list wow well I didn't make exceptions okay. the, the only right. exception would be for the rescues calling so okay. I think, nice. and that's why it's booked uh, the clients that really need me that have used me uh, to avoid um, sedation at the vet mm -hmm. um, they're booked they're, they're booked for the year but whenever a rescue group is going to call that then there's always time set aside and for, for that rescue to come in that so he cannot go through a dramatic experience. So this is why we also need each other and we also need Absolutely. to spray our own hands with the remedies <laughs> or spray the air because, you know, let's talk about it. Tess and I did an amazing mm -hmm. conversation with Amanda Ree from Samadog about compassion fatigue. It is so yeah. real. And if I have the opportunity to talk about it, and I think just a really quick thing here mm -hmm. is that, you know, I don't know, uh, I'd like to hear your take on it, but I think sometimes it's the um, it's the detoxing from a and I will call this an emotionally expensive event. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That we go to rescue hello in Texas or whatever, and we're mm -hmm. you know we're we're just on. Right. And I know Tess has you know she has mm -hmm. dreams about some of her clients' mm -hmm. dogs and mm -hmm. and you know so we mm -hmm. we don't get away from it. Right. Right. And to prevent fa compassion fatigue or worse on down the line is I use, I use the remedies. I use the mm -hmm. remedies. I'm not allowed to say, <laughs> but, but, and, and again, you know, spraying the calm spray for me or mm -hmm. the hammock blend at night. Hammock blend is the only remedy I took for me to Katrina. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Hammett blend goes everywhere with me. Hammett blend. I know it is with me. <laughs> it just yeah. makes you restful, right? It goes with me. <laughs> <laughs> Which goes with you? The combo on like this. The, 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 the roll yeah. out one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'm, um, I use permission to enjoy oh, every nice. day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That one's a great one. And that actually is my first aromatherapy that I ever did. And that was for the Katrina people who were left behind. And they were going to be in shelters right next door to um, where we were at Lamar Dixon in Gonzales. Mm -hmm. yeah. And right where we were, there were going to be people. So I couldn't turn my back on them. Right. So I took the shelter blend that I made for Katrina animals and I added lavender. And that was my very first, yeah, lavender. And I personally, I didn't like lavender at the time, but I thought, okay, but it's universally accepted. And it was what they needed to calm down to not focus on 100% negative, but it was the hammock blend that I took because I needed to get to sleep quickly, not have nightmares. Mm -hmm. and wake up and be focused. And I think that was mm -hmm. wonderful for the hammock blend. Mm -hmm. All right. So, oh my God. So we could go on and on and on. There's so course. much more to talk about. Oh my about. God. Yeah. So um, hopefully you guys will come back. This, this thing that we did talk about a little bit earlier and, and did you think about some mentors, teachers, or other people that have influenced you or keep you in the game? Mm -hmm. Definitely. So um, for me, from the uh, companion animal perspective, honestly, Sherry Woodard was one uh, of my first mentors in, in this in this field, and we have a beautiful friendship, a beautiful relationship. And I remember it was many years ago at a best friends conference. I was terrified. I was currently at that time executive director of a rescue in South Louisiana. And I was terrified to go speak to her, but I did it. And little did I know, what was going to come from that one conversation. And so um, a few months after that, she actually came, her and another best friend staffer came to our rescue in Louisiana for an entire week. And she and I together hosted a behavior workshop that we invited all of our, the local Southern South Louisiana network partners to our organization to join us and learn from, I was learning from Sherry, but I was working with her in the workshop. Mm -hmm. um, so she's really been a strong mentor for me. Um, but before her, a really significant mentor for me is uh, Dr. Stephen Ross. And he's who I worked with at actually the Lincoln Park Zoo. And um, he uh, works with non-human primates, but not just in, in the zoo industry. He has a strong conservation aspect to his job. And so he does a lot of, a lot of great conservation research um, in Africa where chimpanzees reside and other non-human primates reside. And he's just been amazing. And through my relationship with him and my prior relationships with other primate sanctuaries, I was able to be connected directly with Jane Goodall. And so it's just been an amazing kind of intertwining of um, relationships that, re that lead to other connections. So those are kind of my my three main mentors um, directly and indirectly. I have had some one-on-one -on -one time with Jane Goodall and it was just absolutely inspiring and amazing as everyone can imagine, you know, but, um, but yeah, Sherry Woodard and Steve Ross have really helped me um, get to where I am today, keep going and motivate me to, and inspire me to, to do more and push and push myself more and more. 
That is beautiful. Yeah. That is beautiful. That's amazing. And I think mm -hmm. when when you are with someone else, you impart all of that. You impart all of that mm -hmm. enthusiasm, and you know, to you know, um, yeah, fabulous. Absolutely amazing, amazing. And Sherry, oh my God, shout outs for Sherry. Mm -hmm. We just completed a a webinar for uh, the Association of Professional Dog Trainers, and that should be up next week. Yeah, and and Sherry was on that, but hopefully she'll be on with us live. And, you know, just, uh, you know, a precursor that we're going to do YouTube. So you guys are going to, I know, be back on and do this YouTube mm -hmm. thing with us. And again, topics, topics related. Melissa, who, what, how, yeah. <laughs> so um, before I started training professionally, um, I did a lot of volunteer um, with the Boston Terrier Rescue, Wisconsin. And where um, was that? In where? In Wisconsin. Whereabouts? Which city? Uh, in uh, Appleton area. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. So when through that, I got connected with an amazing trainer named Lindsay Bernier. Um, and so I worked with her a lot. I, I ended up getting a lot of the challenging dogs. And so I would work with her on training plans, um, how to work with them, all that kind of stuff. She, she'd give us classes for free um, and spent a lot of time. And so with her, like, she was one I always looked at as like, I want to be like her as far as how she treated people, how she treated the animals, um, how she just set up her classes, her professionalism. And so as we were together and became friends, she also introduced me to a group called Fear, uh, Force Free Trainers of Wisconsin. Um, and those people are amazing. And to this day, I still um, follow them. I still consult with them, share with them, all that kind of stuff. And I feel like it's really important because in the training world, there's so many ways you can go. And there's so many opportunities to get into kind of, uh, I don't know how to say, maybe like the wrong kind of training or maybe sometimes... Um, you know, not, not such great ways of training. And so I was really lucky to get in with this group and they really taught me uh, ways of dealing with behaviors in a way that's not scary, intimidating, um, you know, harmful to the animals, but in a way that we're working with them and cooperating with them. And Lindsay was also one that really opened my eyes to like the kind of the more holistic side of things. She used a lot of herbal essences, herbal or like um, uh, flower remedies, that kind of stuff. Um, and so Again, just kind of shadowing her, having her as a mentor, and then being part of this bigger group really helped me help get me on track. And they were all so supportive when they heard I was coming here. It was just a wonderful thing to have. And like I said, I still follow them to this this day and, and talk to a lot of them constantly. Um, and then I'll just throw in there. So somebody that I've never met, that I'm hoping to met, meet is Emily Larlong. Um, she has Dogmantics and Kiko Pup. And I just mm -hmm. always really loved her training style and her videos. They're really fun, but again, she has a lot of great ways of dealing with behaviors in a, in a way that's like fun, easy to, to implement, and is, is a way of partnering with your dog versus trying to like force them into something or um, or that kind of thing. And so I really love her training style and her videos and, and all the things that she, she provides. So I'm excited. She's hopefully going to be coming here next year. She's on the list yep. <laughs> um, for a workshop we're doing next year. So fingers crossed I'll get, get to meet her and, and um, just, you know. That's, I'll probably be starstruck and we'll say, say like, <laughs> yeah, but it might be the so same sorry. thing that happened to Carly and Sherry. You know, you're yeah, so really like but you, you know, muscle, yeah. up, muscle up and, and uh, you know what? And again, setting yourself up for success because, mm -hmm. you know, you're the one you, you already mentioned, you know, ongoing education. Yeah. So who knows what's next on that? That is awesome. That is absolutely awesome. Tess. 
test, teacher, author. No, no, no. Mentor. Well, you know, I'm listening to these girls and um, talk about and their mentor. It's just blowing my mind who you've already met and who you inspire to, to meet and be with. And all I have to say, I don't want to talk about myself. I want to just say, you girls, I, I just wonder, you know, if you realize how many people that you are mentors for and that you inspire so many people. I like I bring me to tears to hear you both speak and to think about that you are changing the lives in the world right now and that you guys are you're gonna make us cry. <laughs> no, I swear, I just think I'm like, you know, you're both so young and there's such a huge time frame to still expand to and that you're the stand-up people right now. You're it. Thank you so much. Yeah. One of the most rewarding things is when somebody tells me that whatever I like information I gave them helped them with their dog or like that it inspired them to go to a yeah. shelter or you know, whatever yeah. people tell us those things that like that's means what the world to us. that's yeah. what we are wanting to do yep. you're, you're doing am, it <laughs> I am absolutely chills all over you guys yeah and and imagine the impact that the four of us have moving forward amazing amazing with our with our mentors and all um anything anybody else anything any last one minute Call. I just want to thank you. I just want to put a plug in here. On my yeah. Yeah, yeah. We say yeah. all dogs are individuals. <laughs> oh, I like that. We try to, to get that across to people. Yeah. Uh, um, what they're looking for, um, a new pet or a new, you know, what they, a dog they want to work with or whatever, to just remember that, um, you know, all dogs are individuals and should be treated as such. So even though we may know a breed or may know size or anything like that, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to fit this shape or fit this particular idea that we have and so just give them a chance to show us who yeah. they are and to to respect that and work with them in that way is, is going to help um when you're working with animals training wise caring for whatever so absolutely that's good study of behavior is the study of one exactly mm -hmm. yeah yes. exactly and like i said you know we we get the challenges we get to have a good time mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, talk about education, right? So I'm going to give a plug for this, right? Where am I? Adaptable Always. is adoptable. Right? right. And so this is going to be a shelter study. And always adaptable is forever adoptable. And that's what we've talked about because we also want them to go into their homes and, and, and stay there in a good, happy, healthy home or a career if they, you know, if they choose to go, you know, technical school and go to into a career that's, you know, we want them to be happy there also. Yeah. So, um, you guys, I can't thank you enough. Oh my gosh. So we, we did it. It is our first one as, uh, as a group and not the last. And thank you so much. And we will revisit Dr. Carly and Melissa. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys. And off. Thank you so much. Thank Bye guys. You. Thank you. I, we hope you enjoyed yourself and learned something new to share with your friends. Get in touch through this podcast or at blackwingfarms.com and let us know how we can help you or one of your precious animals. Please subscribe. We're new here and need the numbers. Explore Blackwing Farms for more information about using natural remedies and techniques to improve behavioral health in all situations. If you shop, use a discount code animals inside out at checkout one word same as this podcast animals inside out until next time take care and remember to play